Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases. The content may be triggering or inappropriate for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Charnel. And I'm Amber. And this week we are bringing you, just when you think you've heard it all, here come Fred and Rose West. Oh. And I, we have to give a special thanks to our UK listener, Nick, for recommending this case. I've known about this case, but just didn't get real deep into it until... We had a listener request yeah. it, of course. See, I'm like a little little infant baby because I don't know this case. Um, Excited and scared. Well, if Myra Hindley and Joseph Fritzel had a stop. baby, you stop it right now. Nope. That's, oh. these would these two this would be the child would be the, both of them. Yep, both Fred and Rose oh. would come out of that coupling. And Satan was the surrogate uh, mother, of course. Okay, yes. <laughs> There to donate the womb. Mm -hmm. I get it. Okay. Yeah. And you'll see what I mean. Once we get into it, you're going to be like, wow, they, they really do have it all. Just everything. Oh man. From weird kinky sex to sadist sex to voyeurism to murder and murder and And more murder. Oh man. Mm -hmm. And uh, not being great parents. I mean, what could have tipped you off about that? Spoiler alert. They're terrible parents. Yeah. Gosh, I may need a stiff drink after this. Oh, we should probably be drinking one while we're doing this. And you guys should probably drink one while you're listening as well. It's rare. It's rare that we give an advisory that you should make a drink (laughs) before. It's so true. Well, and this came to us. Nick actually, I think, listened to our Myra Henley and Ian Brady episodes before he recommended this he was like they're actually worse than them I'm like oh come on Nick how can that be he's right I do get shudders when I hear that because that Mm -hmm. case for me was hard yep yep. I I don't as you probably have figured out I don't do kid cases very often I can't and this has Um, this is kids and young women but or young adults Mm-hmm. But he was he uh, notoriously in the newspapers. They couldn't help but compare the two uh, because Myra. Oh, so they did actually make that comparison. Absolutely. Okay. And I'll just because I don't want to forget to say it later. Later in the early '90s, when everything goes down, they get away with these crimes for a very long time. In the early '90s, when everything goes down, a couple years after Rose is in prison. Um, they put her in the same prison as Myra and her and Myra hit it off and were BFFs for quite some no time. No way. I am not even shitting you. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So strap in everyone. Cause here we go. I do want to recommend my resources right off the bat because I did something that's a little bit different. Usually when I read books for cases, I read them one at a time, mm-hmm. like a normal human being would. I didn't do that for this. There is a book called Love As Always, Mum, by Mae West. Now, she is one of their children, Fred and Rose West's child. Mm-hmm. She's a survivor. And um, she wrote it with Neil McKay. So I was reading that, but then I was reading Fred and Rose by Howard Sounds, who is actually a journalist, like an investigative 
journalist. Okay. You wrote them. Si- you read I them. read them simultaneously. I would you read a superhuman. You know, I'd, I'd read a few chapters of hers, then I would read a few chapters of Howard's. There's also the Lost Girl by Caroline Roberts. She is one of their surviving victims as well. Wow. Um, the reason that I did that was to get all three different types of perspectives because Mae West's story is a lot different than just Howard Sounds investigative reporting, right? Because she was in it. She was in the family. It was just interesting to me the differences Mm -hmm. between just here's what the story was, which is typically what we do on the podcast. And then for May, it was like, yeah, that's great. But here's how it was for all of us trapped in that house. And then Caroline Roberts was her story, her getting to tell her story and her perspective of them. I like that uh, different, giving the different perspectives because there's a difference between I'm not emotionally attached to this and I'm giving you the facts versus like, I went through this. Yes. And this is what it was like. And and I'll tell you, at the end of Howard Sound's book, it's not that I wasn't moved because the case is compelling. But at the end of Love Is Always, Mom, by Mae West, I was bawling. Aww. I was a absolute mess because it just touches you on a personal level. And let me just give you a small example. The very first chapter of Mae's book is talking about how her mom got arrested when she was seven, eight months pregnant. Okay. And was it took a little while for her to actually get charged for murder. Fred was charged right away, but mm-hmm. it took Rose a little while longer to get charged for murder. So her daughter here, May, is eight, you know, eight months pregnant, whatever. When her mom gets arrested, she has to go through the rest of her pregnancy without her mother. Mm-hmm. And then as she's giving, after she gives birth, she had some downtime. And she talked about how a nurse innocently handed her a magazine to pass the time And in that magazine is a whole article about female killers and her mom was profiled. And right in that article was naming her house, which you'll hear me say, talk about this house a lot. It was 25 Crumwall Street. It's a very notoriously well-known in Britain house. Well-known address. Oh, yeah, because all these sins took place there. And this reporter was dubbing it the House of Horrors. And so she opens her book up and talking about how to the world, because this caught on in the media, the House of Horrors caught on like it was just so catchy. Uh So everywhere she looked, it was the House of Horrors, the House of Horrors. To her, it was, that's my childhood home. And yes, she was severely abused as a child. So it's not like it was lovely Mm -hmm. but But it was still home but it was home those were where her childhood memories are and she talks about how you know there was still there was love there especially between her siblings and her Uh and there was times of happiness and here everyone is just dubbing it the house of horrors well in in Howard sounds the opening of his book the very first chapter he talks about how it took him about a week before he really picked up the story because at that point in time they started finding more bodies and he was actually the first to dub 25 Crumwall Street the House of Horrors. Oh, wow. And I don't want to say that he was bragging, but he was just pointing out, like, that's how that got started, was I wrote my very first article that I wrote about this story, or about this case. He was like, I'm I, I wrote it the House of Horrors, and it caught on. And so I found those two perspectives so interesting, because when people do that, when Howard was doing that, he had no idea of the effect that he would his words would be having on other victims of theirs. It make no mistake that 
Fred and Rose's innocent children were victims too, not just mm-hmm. the ones that they killed, but the surviving ones mm-hmm. or their kids too. And so I was, uh, that is how I happened to notice. I was just kind of reading the first couple of chapters to see which book I wanted to read first. And that's what made my decision of, I have to read them simultaneously to gain a better understanding from both perspectives. And I've, I will try very hard to give you the facts of the case, but pepper it with a little bit of May's experiences without stealing all her meat and potatoes from her book, because yeah. I don't want to take away from her book, go buy her book and support her. Um, it was wonderful. It was a wonderful read. It's well-written, mm-hmm. uh, very, very interesting. So I definitely, you know, I'm promoting so these books. So you're not giving us like the whole stew, just a little just a little seasoning a little taste of it so you'll want some more yes but sample but you'll get the whole story of fred and rose because you can frankly find that anywhere really Mm -hmm. if you if you wanted to but hopefully i'll hopefully we'll tell it in a more in a better way than just picking it up and reading it in a blog or watching a you know quick dateline on it or something we always do (laughs) right 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 (laughs) give us a moment to pat ourselves on the back here Uh, (laughs) pardon me while i hug myself so as we always do, I do have to start with some background on Fred and Rose, because if I didn't do that, it's going to leave out what psychologists believe are demonstrations of how, you know, nature versus nurture becomes so complex and can uh-huh. in really impact a person's life. Make no mistake that I'm not presenting the background as an excuse for what these two have done. I'm just showing how real the cycle of generational abuse and neglect can be. And we can't, if I left it all out, you'd be left with a lot of but whys. Like, it's it's just such an important piece to this case. So we will start with Fred first. He was born Frederick Walter Stephen West, born September 29th, 1941, in Breckert, at Brickerton Cottage in Muchmarkle in Herefordshire, England. And yes, I know I'm saying all those right because I did my you due practiced. diligence to make sure. Mm-hmm. You practiced that. Because in America, someone would read this here for Shire. And it's, Herefordshire. Oh, okay. We should not be saying Shire, as a matter of fact, I learned. It should be sure every time uh, you, in England. You know, I learned something new. There you go. Right, just now. Drop some knowledge on you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so that's, this case is in England. Uh, he was born to Walter Stephen West and Daisy Hannah Hill. Uh, they were married. Hill West is okay. her. Okay, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um, so Walter and Daisy are his parents. He had five siblings. But he was really only close to the brother, his brother, John, who was born right after him, like 13 months after him. His parents were farm workers. In 1946, his family moved to Moorcourt Cottage. So they, he was born in Brickerton Cottage, but uh, they were in, raised in Moorcourt Cottage, where his father worked as a milking herdsman and a harvest worker, so still a farmhand. And it would be years later that Fred would return to the land near this cottage to bury his first wife. Oh, wow. Yeah. Fred and his siblings helped their parents do farm chores. And in Fred's opinion, he was never allowed to be a child because he was constantly being worked. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, is that they were extremely poor. They had six children and two of which actually, Daisy had actually given birth to eight children, but two did not make it. Oh, wow. So, so they had no money. No, they had to of, work on the farm. Yep, lots of mouths of to feed. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. Now from childhood, Fred was his mother's favorite and was always coddled. Daisy would often neglect her own husband to bring Fred into her bed. Oh, 
Wow. Yeah. Yes. It was um, very well documented that she had almost an unnatural connection, her Daisy and Fred. During childhood, he was known as Freddy. Freddy developed a habit of a lot of petty thefts, something that he carries through his entire life. He is a thief. To me, when I see that in children, I do think that has a lot to do with the extreme poverty in which they lived. Um, But he was always shabby and dirty. In school, he was always in trouble. His mother was a very large woman who dressed really odd in like these bright colored floral frocks. And, And like people took notice of this because there's an incident where I guess Fred kept getting the kept getting beaten in in school by the teachers like by you know with a ruler or what have you because you know Sephardis they're they're allowed to do that right but Daisy wasn't having it you weren't gonna beat little not my Freddie not my Freddie so here she goes strolling in in these bright colored floral frocks in school to raise hell for her which I'm not I'm not chastising her not faulting her for this I'm not either um, but it did nothing to stop the bullying of Freddie because now he's just being it's seen like as a mama now. boy, mama's boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it really drew attention because of the way she dressed and whatnot that they, I mean, I, know, I appreciate a bright bouquet when I'm, you know, picking out my wardrobe. But yes. Yes. It was, I don't uh, know that my son would. For that time was too much. Yeah. And like I mentioned earlier, his only real friend throughout life was his brother, John, who actually would beat people up for him a lot. It was kind of one of those things of like his whole family was tight where we can beat each other up, but no one else better say anything else or do anything to one of my my siblings. Now, Fred was seen to be very odd and introverted. He was considered dull, which in our current language means he had a lower IQ. Okay. And his he had very very crude speech given where they lived out into the out in the country, um, his he was seen as a country bumpkin, okay. essentially. So he was quiet, a little bit slower, yes. lower functioning. He is lower introverted. Yep, introverted. I feel like you're describing me right now. He had <laughs> up until this point because I'm now this is not where you're going to. He had like really froey curly hair. Oh, and as he grows into an adolescent. He gets like these chops, like all the way down. Weirdly, he looks. I still feel like you're describing <laughs> me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he looks. I hate to say it, but he looks a lot like Richard Simmons. Oh, oh wow! Like a creepy, thicker Richard Simmons. Not so high energy aerobic, but I'm Richard picturing Simmons. Richard Simmons with chops Rich- right now. Richard Simmons had he made other life choices. Yeah, diet wise and everything. He obviously, he had poor language and grammar skills and was nearly nearly illiterate. Even into his teens, his teeth were yellow and never kept clean. Uh, They were kind of, they were described as being kind of rotting out of his head. Oh, yikes. Yeah. I'm picturing like a wish version of Richard Simmons right now. Yeah, that's. That's where I'm going with this, most definitely. This is this is like his profile picture is Richard Simmons, and then when you meet for the date, you get it's, Fred West. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, and you're, you're like, like wow, is this is not what not I, what your profile picture was. Buddy. Not even the cute little aerobics outfit no. that Richard wears. Nope, nope, nope. He had a complicated relationship with his father, who basically seemed to resent him. Which I wonder if it might have been because he was a little cock block when he was a baby. Oh, just yeah. saying. <laughs> he got to sleep in mom's bed, and daddy didn't. Yeah. So yeah, maybe. Walter did give him regular beatings with his leather belt, 
But in other sources, I found that it said Daisy gave him regular beatings with a belt and made sure that the belt buckle hit him. So it's quite possible that they both did. It could be both. I mean, and she could have absolutely favored him, but in the times, that's how you discipline. So she was like, I'm getting the belt. Definitely. Definitely. And then I actually, that was my next sentence was like, either way he experienced child abuse, but it wasn't recognized as such, especially not in the deep country of England in the forties and fifties. He comes from a generation of economic and parental neglect incest and depravity it's reported that at the age of 12 he had his first sexual encounter with his mother and that she introduced him to bestiality oh oh yeah we're just diving we right in going just in. so you know head Deep. first yes yep in a no diving zone <laughs> yes we just are so you know so prepare people prepare and we're in we're mm-hmm. in now so he had also claimed that his father was incestuous with his sisters on a regular basis However, Fred's youngest brother, Doug, dismissed these claims as Fred's fantasy and possible attempt to trying to justify his own wrongdoing that he does later in life. However, it should be noted that in a town like Much Markle, incestuous relationships at the time were not that uncommon. In the book, Fred and Rose by Howard Sounds, he said, quote, sexual transgressions flourished where the roads were bad, end quote. Oh, it's not uncommon. It's not out of the picture. We do know that his mother did sexually abuse him. So he's got the physical abuse by his father. And the sexual abuse Sexual abuse by his, his mother. She introduced him to bestiality. I'll just tell you right now, from a young age, he was very, very interested in how animals mated and their reproductive organs. And he would often, later in life, tell his kids all about it. Uh, we'll We'll get into how crude he is with his language in just a minute, but... It's believed that this started through his mom as early as 12. Wow. He dropped out of school at the age of 15, never studied again. From the book, Fred and Rose, it says, quote, He is not a handsome man. He has a wide face and distinctive simian features and protruding jaw and a small crooked nose. His hair is such a dark brown that it appears black and grows in an unruly clump. Long, old-fashioned sideburns spread down the sides of his jaw. His teeth are badly decayed, and one of the two front incisors is chipped, accentuating a gap. Fred is of medium height and limps when he walks, which, end quote, and I'll tell you why he limps when he walks in a minute, but I just, there there it is. not painting a very um, appealing picture Correct. here. I know. I know. But I just was like, you know, I couldn't say that any better. So I'm just going to go ahead and it's put a good that one. quote in. So that's how he, I like the hair description, I, an unruly an clump, unruly clump. I, from now on, that is how I'm referring to mine. <laughs> Absolutely. It's in a messy bun. You unruly clump. Yes. <laughs> when Fred turned 16, he did clean his shabby ass up a bit. It is not as if his teeth were suddenly white or anything. Don't get me wrong. He still I don't think they had the strips back then. No, so. no. No crest whitening going on. He's still as homely as the inside of a donkey's anal cavity. Okay, don't get me wrong. But thank you for clarifying. And probably just as hairy now that I think about it. But he is at least attempting to brush his teeth and hair mm. and like wash more regularly. Okay. And he tries to start to get the attention of the ladies. All right. Anything with breasts and a vagina. Uh He's crude in his advancements, and he would often just reach out and grope a woman. Oh, Fred. He is the type of, from from adolescence on, 
He is the type of male that believes simply by being male, he has the right to touch a female anywhere at any time. Doesn't matter if her man's is right there because that actually he likes better. He enjoyed the thrill of trying to get a woman away from her man. Oh, wow. Which often got him into some big fights that John would have to finish for him because he'll beat a woman, but he will not take on a man. So he would overpower women, but he wouldn't at all. But he'd make John finish his fights for him. Oh. Yeah, he didn't. He couldn't fight men. But he literally just reaches out and grabs women in public. In public. Wow. And not only that, but just crudely, crudely, like he would walk up to women and just be like, that's a nice pair of tits you got there, eh? Every <sighs> woman's nightmare. That sounds kind of gross. Essentially. Yeah. I don't know who thinks that's flattering. Not. This, this day and age, certainly not. So he would just like say that and just like grab absolutely. a boob grab or their whatever. Butt, oh. Lift underneath, whatever he could do. Touch their legs, stroke their hair, anything. Yuck. Yep. He um, sounds like a creep. He... Oh, oh, He's the and definition. I can't ima- can you imagine, like, you get your butt grabbed and turned around, and he's, like, with those teeth smiling? Mm-mm. Like, no. Yucky. In, uh, now, Mae West, in her book, discusses stories that her father would tell them from, from when he was young, and was that his mother would beat him and that he hero-worshipped wor- his father. Okay. This is actually what she wrote in her book, that he was obsessed with animals and the mating habits of their and their reproductive parts. Or he would tell them stories about how he would like to kill animals and he would like intimately described how he killed them and what it looked like and what he would do. Ew. And at the time they just chalked it up to dad being dad and being weird. Okay, but that's just So he's like gather around kids. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you about the time I slaughtered this yes. cat or yep. whatever. And it was like farm life. It wasn't like going out and just being cruel to be cruel. Oh, okay. it was working on on the farm and gotcha. doing things that. But he would just talk about how farm. he killed them. Mm-hmm. And, he know, enjoyed the slaughter. Still gross. The slaughter still part. Gross. Now, to add to the culmination of incest and lower IQ, we also have the possibility of brain damage. Again, I'm just providing the details as a way to not not as a way to explain away responsibility for what he does, but just to add to the picture of of his childhood when. He was 17. He saved up and got himself a motorcycle, which his mom was not happy about at all. And she actually made him promise, if you crash that motorcycle, then it's done. You have to sell it. And mm-hmm. he's like, okay, deal. We can do that. One night he was driving and he was only, he was really close to home. He was only a couple hundred yards away from home when he suddenly collided with a local girl by the name of Pat Manns. She was coming toward him on her bicycle. Now, there are explanations for the collision that are possible. Like, first of all, the road wasn't lit Mm. at all at this time. Okay. Um, The lights, there were the lights on his motorcycle, and she did have a little light on her bicycle, were very, very dim by our standards today. I mean, it's not a bright light at all to be seen. There's also the possibility that another vehicle, that a vehicle came and surprised them both. But anyway... There is, now that we know that Fred's a murderer, there is some suspicion of, was he just morbidly curious about what would happen if he just ran his motorcycle into this girl and was oh, trying to kill her? Interesting. So we don't, we don't really know, but either way, she has some scratches on her and minor bruises, but he actually really messed himself up, which is why he walks with a limp now oh. from this point forward okay and he ends up being in a coma for a week wow which his mom was you know beside herself i'm sure 
he, he has no memory, by the way, of this, so he claims, of this event. But he wakes up a week later, and a lot of his family that was interviewed said that it was after this point that his temper got very, very short, and that he just didn't really seem to act the same mm-hmm. after this incident. And they believe that there's a possibility that he sustained some head trauma. He wasn't wearing a helmet or anything like that. Then, about a year after that incident, it had been just a little over a year, he was out one night on the town, and he was walking up the side of a building's fire escape stairs to get um, to the, I think it was a youth club that he was getting, that he was going to. And so it was very common for them to use the fire, those metal fire escape stairs. So he's walking up them when he just decides this woman passed him, and he's going to reach out and just grab her. He's going to he's going to intimately grab her because that's his right. Yeah, to just, he's a man. Yep. Yep. So why not? Well, she put his gap tooth ass into place by um. either kicking or punching. I read different things in different places, but either way, she made she it, gave clear. it to him. She sure did. And his ass went whoop, right over the side oh, of that wow. fire escape and he landed on his face. <gasps> oh, this time he only fell about 10 feet. She's like, you picked the wrong girl, Fred. Wrong ass to grab Fred. Yeah. Here's my karate kick. Yeah. <laughs> Bam. Here's my judo chop. That's right. Uh, yeah. Wow. And he lands on his face. Mm-hmm. Ouch. Oh. And um. And it didn't sound like he had a lot going on there before. I'm telling you, he couldn't spare any brain cells. And he just <laughs> and lost, he just lost a lot of Because there was a pool of blood around his head. Yikes. And this time he was only knocked out for 24 hours. But okay. still. But still. It was a hard, th- you know, a hard fall. This was kind of like. Phil Spector, when he got into the accident, and it right. damaged his yes his face. Yep, it's and like, changed his behavior. Mm, and we, yeah, we didn't have a lot to spare that's, there before. That's also why his nose is crooked. Yeah, so okay. he's got a limp. His nose is crooked. Gap in his teeth. Unruly, unruly curly clump. hair. <laughs> unruly <laughs> clump of hair, and it's on his face too. And he doesn't like he's, to brush his teeth. This so. sounds just really unfortunate. Yes. Like I almost feel bad for him. Almost, you almost, almost. do. And then. Hold on to and that. Then, yeah. You won't in a minute. Okay. Um, now, shortly after this, uh, this in the summer of 1960, Fred went to a dance and met a girl who became his first wife, wife, Catherine Bernadette Costello. Catherine Bernadette Costello, or Rena, or Rini for short. I don't know. Those were her nicknames? Yep, yep. It, she's more commonly known as Rini. Rena, excuse me. She was a pretty girl with blue eyes and brown hair. She had a difficult upbringing. She was raised by a single father who was... who had five children all of which were girls and he was taking care of two orphaned cousins of his as well so her mother had left at a young age that's just a lot going on she moved down from Scotland where she grew up just a short distance in Glasgow she was staying with relatives in Herefordshire and it's a it was a pretty rough part of of town in much Markle where they were at um, Rena was considered a delinquent. Uh, her first court appearance for petty theft was in 1955 when she was only 11. Oh, wow. Yep. And that would be the start of a long string of appearances that she would have for petty theft and for sex work. Um, to, stay that, to say that she was a product of her environment is an understatement for sure. So when she's 16, she meets Fred West when Fred's pretty interested in her because she'd seen a lot in her 16 years. She'd been through a lot Mm -hmm. and she was okay with how rough Fred was. 
And Fred didn't see her as this rough girl because Fred himself was so rough and she seemed so cultured and different that he, he liked this little Scottish dish. Yes. This little dish. Yeah. Okay. But because she had lived so much, Fred thought he needed to impress her. So he was telling her all these elaborate lies and stories about where he's been and what his life has been like. And she knew right from the beginning that he was lying. But she's like, you know what? He's not judging me for my sex work and for where I came from and my petty thefts and delinquency and whatever. He doesn't see me as a delinquent. So I'm going to let all these lies slide. And of course, on the other hand, Fred's like, oh, she has eaten this up like a brownie melting over some ice cream. Mm -hmm. You know, she's ice cream melting over a brownie makes more sense <laughs> my dessert I mean, analogies if it's a hot are not brownie, good it yeah melt too <laughs> i guess but sorry <laughs> i did not nail that one it sounds delicious either I know. way and All now i sudden, want I'm one hungry. <laughs> you know basically fred's like oh yeah i got her fooled yeah and no he did he did not but she also accepted his crudeness and the way that he talked about sex so openly and freely and she was willing to give in to his unsatiable sexual appetite she had been so hardened by life, even after just being alive for 16 years, that she was just happy to, happy to have the affections of an older boy. Now, it was an intense relationship. All of a sudden, they're getting, they're using Indian ink in a needle, and they're tattooing each other's names on their oh, arms. That's, mm-hmm. that's pretty serious. She was kicked out of her relative's home because she was spending all of her time with Fred, the country bumpkin. A lot of it is really just that Fred had a lot of demands, and she needed to... Uh, make a choice, you know, live by your relative's rules or get kicked out. So she moved into a public house with a couple of girlfriends at that time. They do start fighting. As as I'm sure you can predict, their relationship starts off very intense, but it also starts off with a lot of jealousy and possessiveness. Mm-hmm. And he is now escalating into his sexual advancements into things that she is not comfortable with. Starts wanting to get into bondage, but it's not consensual bondage. Mm. Um, a lot of it, using sexual toys that really cross that line into from pain to pleasure. And it, it crosses okay. over too much and she's just not she doesn't okay want with that. this. Mm-mm. Okay. So by the fall of 1960, she packs up and moves back to Scotland. He just at this point in time is harassing he starts harassing very young girls and at this time he at this time he gets accused of seducing a local 13-year-old girl he had been ha- that he had been having sex with for 6 months and wow. basically this is the start of him grooming he really likes young girls he is a pedophile he groomed this girl and how old is he at this point he by 1960 he's 19 years old okay I just wanted to get a picture of how old he is as he's preying on these these young girls. But it started, in hindsight, they believe that it started from a young age, that he was harassing girls. Yeah. There's, there's a lot that has went, that is believed that has went unreported and unknown. How this comes all comes about, that they discover this relationship with this 13-year-old, is that she's pregnant with Fred's baby. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. He, so he gets arrested for this, he's really belligerent with the police. Daisy is beside herself. She's like, no. The, the problem is, is that Fred didn't see anything wrong with his behavior at all. Like everyone he's has, like, what? What's everyone has sex with 13 year old girls. What is the issue? Mm-hmm. And his mom, Daisy is like, no, this isn't okay. And kicks him out. Shortly before Ironically, this arrest, she sexually abused him. Correct. Like, mm, but we have standards in this house. No, you will, you will find the hypocrisy thick. In, in this case. Okay. Yep. 
two months prior to his arrest for the rape of a, of having, I'm sorry, the carnal knowledge of a young girl because he does groom her. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a rape charge. It was that he had carnal knowledge. He had actually been arrested. He got caught stealing some cigarette cases, some nice cigarette cases and watch bands, and was in court in April of 1960. He pled guilty, got a large fine, act like he didn't care. He was just really mad about the the that the fine was bigger than his weekly paycheck. And so his mom now is like, okay, first you have that. Now we've got this. You know, we're we're done. Mm-hmm. The 13-year-old girl was made to have an abortion. It's later discovered that Fred had been sexually molesting young girls since his early teen years, and he found nothing wrong with that behavior. So he got charged with the unlawful carna- carnal knowledge of a child. And at the trial, it was brought forward that he had sustained head, uh, head injury and had personality changes and the possibility of epileptic fits, which is common after head injury. This testimony proved to be unnecessary because at the last minute, at that point, at that time, the victim had to provide evidence. So they had to testify mm-hmm. against their perpetrator. And at the last minute, the 13-year-old couldn't do it. So the he never, the evidence, the trial collapsed. Okay. Because oh, she wouldn't poor girl. provide evidence. I mean, I get it. This but. happens a lot. Mm-hmm. He leaves as his mom kicks him out. He goes and lives with his aunt Violet in in Much Markle, and he quit the farm life to further distance himself from his family, especially his dad. At this point in time, so so the sources say, and he really got into like building the farm life was starting. This is now starting more of an industrial age, mm-hmm. and so he gets really really into like mechanics and building. He really considered himself to be a, a what we would consider in America like a contractor, a professional builder okay he was very really he was just a really good maintenance man he's kind of like could kind of one of those guys that could just do Jack anything of all trades yeah fix anything that sort okay. of thing so he quit the farm life and he goes and starts doing that for the UK it was considered he was a laborer and um he was pretty pretty handy with materials and building which ended him up back in court again because he was stealing material building materials and when the asked judge asked him like why are you doing this he's like because all my coworkers do, so why isn't it okay for me to do it too? Like he oh. just doesn't see anything wrong at <laughs> all with his behavior. I love how he's just in denial about everything that he does. Mm-hmm. It's like I don't see the problem here. Yep. He continues to get himself in trouble. Um, now a 14-year-old girl whose name is actually protected under a court order, so I do not know her name, mm-hmm. is accusing him of raping her twice. And she described how he collapsed shortly afterwards, like he was having an epileptic, uh, epileptic fit. Interesting. Yes. N- nothing comes out of this one either. Okay. So mm-hmm. he gets away with he does. two now. Yep. Two that we know of. Right. There so were many more. more. There were many more. He was unsatiable. He really, really had a problem. At this point, he's an outcast of society as a habitual offender of pedophilia and thievery and the black sheep of his family into his early adult years. So he has a well-known name for himself yes. at this point. It, like yep. Yeah, it's know. a small town. Yeah, absolutely. It's now 1962, and Rena comes back into his life. Now, Rena was pregnant with another man's baby, and but she was no longer involved with that man. So the two rekindle their relationship, and on November 17, 1962, they are secretly married. Fred knew that his parents would not approve, so that's a reason for their secrecy. Mm-hmm. Told his parents that she, once they got married, that they were married and that she's pregnant with his child. Well, 
In March 1963, Rena gives birth to a child, a baby girl named Charmaine. And it's here's here's where the problem lies. The child is of Asian. Oh, oh, I wasn't ready for that. Nope. So what are they going to do now that they've been lying to everybody and saying this was Fred's baby? So what Fred does is stops visiting with his family. No one gets to see the baby. And then later they just write this note about how Rena lost his child in a tragic miscarriage. So they went ahead and adopted. Oh, boy. So here's adopted Charmaine. What's interesting is that he never, all the family that gets interviewed is like, yeah, it was really weird because after he told everybody about the adoption, it was never mentioned again, ever. Wow. Yeah. In 1964, Rena gave birth to Fred's first child, Anna Marie. Fred does nothing to help to care for the children. I'm sure that's shocking. I can't believe it for a second. I know. I really pictured him to be quite a hands-on dad. (laughs) I think you need to research more because this can't be true. Yes. (laughs) Right. Your research is lacking. He was an amazing father. He he had to have been. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Nope. Nope. Child rearing is solely a woman's job. That is what they are there for Mm -hmm. is to spit babies out. That's it. And for him to grab their womanly parts. Yeah, yeah. For, for the, your, a man's carnal pleasure yeah. and to have the babies. Yeah. Fred treated the children really harshly. He kept the girls in the bottom of a bunk bed that had bars that were fitted to the space between the bunks. So it's literally a cage. Ew, he caged yeah. them in. And they were only allowed out when Fred was not home. And now at this point, he starts becoming very physical with Rena. And one of his favorite things to do with his women starts prostituting her out oh no the thing is though is it's really complicated psychologically for him because he is a voyeur he enjoys watching his women with other men Mm -hmm. if it's especially when it's for profit and when he can control it so he picks the man he gets the money all you know all of that sort of thing if he's in control now him and Rena are are not in a good relationship and they often spent a lot of time apart as a matter of fact mm-hmm. Fred's experimenting with sexual sadism and bondage is much bigger than it was the first time that she left him there's a lot I'm just I'm kind of like glossing over this just because they were on again off again so much but what really gets him is that and it was okay for him to have many affairs he admits later in life that he was cheating on her the whole time right and but it isn't until Rena herself is also going off and having these affairs. Now it's a problem. Okay. So like it's okay. So he could pimp her out. Yes. He, watch her yes. have sex with other men and yeah. that was fine. And tell her what to do and everything. But if it was out of her own will yep. and he didn't have the control, then he's like, it's cheating. No way. Yes. Yep. How could you do this? His heart is broken at that point in time. So I, I told you, it's, it is complicated. It, it sure is. Psychologically. According to the the Fred and Rose book by uh, Howard Sounds, Fred was literally a one-minute man and would often only be capable of holding his wad for a couple of pumps before he finished, leaving (laughs) only himself gratified and his lovers asking themselves what the fuck happened. And there it is. Folks, there it is. He mentions it so many times, I giggle every time. And it's it's horrible because this case has so much sexual abuse, but some of the things that their victim says are like, it was really bizarre because literally it lasted less than a minute and all of a sudden it's done. Like it's it's traumatizing <laughs> and it's horrible. Myself, yeah, it's like horrible it's like, and you're like, all of that what? trauma for that? that? 
Yes. And, and Rose talks about that too, but I just think like psychologically the voyeurism and whatnot comes from the fact that he knows he cannot please his lovers Mm -hmm. at all because as we'll find out with Rose, he gets particularly interested in watching her with black men because he was obsessed with the size of their genitalia that, and that's straight from both, both books. Like, okay. He's severely, severely racist. Oh, what a complex, he's got so many like layers, layers. He is and like Shrek with the onion. It's <laughs> just <laughs> layers. There's so many conflicting things like, yes, you know, I feel like his entire existence is nothing but a conflict. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, I don't even like when the devil made him, he was like, I'm going to just, what <laughs> happens if we give him everything the devil was the surrogate so yeah yeah it was just in, in the here, devil was like i'm gonna give a dash of wrinkle of of voyeurism and um i don't know what it's what is it called bukaki when you like to poop on people oh. and pee on people well, why do i know that word <laughs> i think it's I learned, a fun word i think i learned it from cards against humanity game oh, and i, I had to look game. it up i had to google it and i was like oh god that's what that is yeah it's we're putting Bukaki. it in the word bank for future. We, yes, yes. But you know, what when a... you enjoy like voiding and defecating during sex on one another or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's even got that. Okay. There is not anything that He's isn't just... covered in this case, except for cannibalism. But I will say I did find some sources because some of their his victims have missing parts that suggest that even he that may have been was toying in with there. that too. Mm-hmm. Okay, yep. gotcha. Yep, yep, yep. Wow. But I don't, I didn't read anything about necrophilia other than just some possibility, some like question mark, question mark, possibly wasn't out of the realm of possibilities. So I mean, we confirmed. all have our standards. Yeah. So. You know, and it's just sad to me because for May, she's like the whole world knows about my parents kinky sex life. And mm-hmm. that becomes part of later on for her. What some of the men who dated her thought maybe would be passed down to her through her parents that she would then be into kinky sex. And she's like, um, God, no. So Gosh, that's got to be hard for her to have people mm-hmm. dating her for that reason. Yeah, that, it's, that's a really, what, it's a really interesting book. She tells of some of the stories. Oh. I do talk about it in a little while, but still, it's a little, ugh. But yeah, so I just, I had to make sure that I got that in there, that Fred West could not hold his wad for more than a couple of pumps. So for anyone out there who is All of that wondering for... Mm-hmm. Very, very, very little. Very little. Very little. As a matter of fact, in one detailed account of, of one of the situations, uh, Rose talked about like how literally he would like slightly put the tip in just a couple of times Stop. and then he would ma- he would only be able to to or reach orgasm by masturbating. You after know that. what like, this reminds me of? Tell me. That Saturday Night Live song, The Jizz in My Pants. Oh, <laughs> yes. Grace. It's like he's at the grocery store. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The wind blows. <laughs> exactly. That that just came to mind. That's what so it I is. had to yeah. I had to make reference. Oh, so Brad later admitted to having engaged in, in numerous affairs in the early years of his marriage, like I said. And he did father an illegitimate child with another woman who they named the child Stephen with a V. And you'll, it's going to get a little confusing because one of the children that he has with Rose is Stephen with a PH. Oh, wow. Okay. So I just, so he has two Stevens. He does, but he, and he tried to take care of Stephen with a V briefly in his early years. And 
it didn't work out and he went back with his mom and then is like never brought up again. Mm. So he, in his memoirs, bragged about fathering, I don't know, it was an ungodly amount of children that he thinks he fathered and blah, blah, blah. But really, realistically, we know that he rarely could come inside a woman. So <laughs> it's amazing to me he fathered as many as he did. Miracles happen. Yes. They really do. They, sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes people are so fertile, all you have to do is just think about it. Yes. And that, that might have been what happened with, with Rose. But Oh, my goodness. Um, so when Rena discovers the many infidelities that are happening around town, she begins to have an affair with a man named John McLean, which isn't that the name of Bruce Willis on <gasps> Die Hard? <laughs> yes. I thought so. Now I'm just going to picture him. And you should because he's a good guy. Okay. Mm-hmm. We love John McLean. And it's then. spelled M-C-L-A-C-H-L-A-N. McLean. Okay. McLean. On one occasion, Fred discovered John and Rena in an intimate lover's embrace. Mm. So what does he do? He punches Rena. Oh, wow. Yeah. So what does John McLean do? What would Bruce Willis do, people? <laughs> exactly. Punches Fred in the face. And then blow something up? <laughs> or did we not get that far? We did okay. not. No, there were no explosives. We can't have it all. Of. But Fred draws a knife and grazes McLean's abdomen with it. So what does what does John McLean do? Punches him a second time. Now Fred has stopped defending himself because he's like, uh, yeah, that hurt. Mm. And you said he didn't he didn't take on men. Very no, often. and and funny you should say that. Years later, when interviewed, John says this quote: "He couldn't tackle a man, but he wasn't so slow in attacking a woman." End quote. So that sums it up right there. Makes that that explains why he went and punched her. Yes, first. yeah. Instead of John. Yeah. Yep. Now, this this did not phase John McClane, aka Bruce Willis. Mm-hmm. Right. He's like, now, um, I was ticked off about all the bruises and black eyes that were on Rena, but I didn't stop carrying on with her. On each occasion, it became apparent that Fred had beaten his wife. John McClane would ex- extensively beat Fred. Oh, like, wow. yeah, like he what was, a love triangle. Yeah, but he is like gonna defend. You know, he's yeah. gonna defend her. At but she was still time, like with Fred, right? Yes. Okay. That's what is. Yep. Because she's got um, Anna Marie. She's got Charmaine. You know, with mm-hmm. with quote with Fred. I mean, Anna Marie is Anna Marie is Fred's, but mm-hmm. Charmaine was not. And at one point in time, she does come back to him. With Fred's name crossed out on the, of the tattoo and John's name, <gasps> oh no, that does happen. So it's not a great relationship, guys. There's it. It sounds very complicated. It would have made a good soap opera, I think. It was with it with with the exception of the domestic violence and the horrible sexual sadism that yeah. he was in, you know, invoking on her. So Fred is at this point in time making his living as an ice cream truck driver. Oh. Okay. All right. Which is basically what every parent's fear is that the local pedophile is driving the oh ice cream gosh. truck. No, that you mentioned the children for yes. ice cream. Yes. Yeah. It's what nightmares are made of. It is. It is. And he made a good living, but he did admit later in life to having sexual relations with small with young women. So he did in use the this. van. He did. He did. Mm. He used it for for the ped- pedophilia, but not. I don't know about raping, but the luring young women. The grooming and... Yes, yep, exactly. On November 4th, 1965, he accidentally ran over and killed a small boy (gasps) in Glasgow 
with the van. Oh my gosh. But it wasn't the first time that that had happened in the area with these ice cream truck vans. So it was ruled as an accident. But later when Fred talks about it, you should read the whole transcript because it is like, uh, I don't know. He he goes out of his way to talk about, at one point in time, he's like, I was there because that little boy was on my route and he always came out and got ice cream. And I loved that little boy like a son. Like, okay, that's too far. Like you didn't, you didn't love him like a son. Like now it's highly speculated. Did he do it on purpose? At this point in time, escalating. Yeah. Upping the ante. mm -hmm. He has not to investigators knowledge at this point in time in 1965 murdered anybody yet, but we don't really know. Mm -hmm. We don't actually know that. Oh, that's so sad. So now obviously he's not making a, going to be making a great living and he's concerned. Um, so he returns to, um, he takes Charmaine and Anna Marie and he moves to Gloucester. And so he's no longer in Scotland with Rena. He moves and he's renting a caravan at the caravan, the Timberland Caravan Park in Bishop's Cleave. Now, to me, I think that I, when I was looking it up and everything, caravan park is for us here in America, a trailer park. So they're, they're doing that. Rena then joins them in February 1966, and she comes accompanied by two friends, Isla McNeil and Anne McFall. Yeah, I gotta love the mix. You know, yeah, yeah. why can't I be McLennox? You know, can we? You from can now. now. On? <laughs> it's really catchy. It really Mc, is. R- McReynolds. Yeah, there it is. That sounds like a restaurant of some it kind. Does. That's I just fun. It. From now on, that's who you are. Yeah. And my co-host, Nick Reynolds. Yes, it's so catchy. This is when she came back with John's name tattooed on her arm, of course. But it's, it's got her name with it, too, and a heart around it with the words true love. Up the oh, ante a little bit. Mm-hmm. So she took it to the next level. She did. She did. It says true love. It's got to be true. It, absolutely. All three women had moved into Fred's caravan, and... McNeil and McFall both came from really bad backgrounds, you know, just like Rena, and they hoped to find work in England. So that's why they were like, sure, I'll go to Gloucester and mm-hmm. let's do this. Shortly after the move, though, Fred um, found employment driving a lorry for a local abattoir, but he's, he's back behind the driving, wheel. He's driving. He's always driving. driving a lorry. I'm amazed that he could do this after he hit a child. Oh, yeah, but they didn't have. They didn't have the right, laws. Yeah. And, okay. Fair enough. Early 19, they move in fe- into February. These three women move into his caravan in early February 1966. It was not long after that that he started to exhibit, exhibit dominance and control over all three of them. He was also prone to violent mood swings. And typically, Rena and McNeil were the blunt of his fury. Fred also physically attacked his stepdaughter, Charmaine, more than once. And at this point in time is when it is believed that he started sexually abusing Charmaine as well. No. Once again, he's prostituting Rena back out. So, because, you know, somebody's got to earn a keep because he is, does, his lorry job is not doing so great. Mm-hmm. Oh. At one point in time, too, he does work for a slaughterhouse, which is where it's believed that he really gained his knowledge. One of the things you'll find that I'll tell you about later is that he dismembers his victims um, and they believe that it was when he worked in the slaughterhouse that he not only learned how but also became obsessed with doing that okay gotcha um so now here's here's a story for you 
to escape Fred's domestic violence and his increasing sexual demands, which at this point in time, he is like demanding that these women sleep with each other. He is a, he's a nasty, nasty man. I won't go into all the really gross details, but he, another one of, of his contradictions is that he thinks lesbianism is bad, but but he, he likes wants to, to see, see his it. wives do it. That mm-hmm. makes sense. That aligns with everything else that right. he's contradicting. Yep. So Rena phones John, all right, and is begging John McLean to rescue her and McNeil and the children. So together they get this plan of, okay, when he's away at work at this specific time, you're going to show up. I'm going to throw all of our shit into your van and we're going to leave, mm-hmm. right? Well, weirdly, when this happens, uh, Fred shows up. And so oh, they're no. like, um, who took you What are you, you doing up? here? Right. Why are you here? He never comes home mm-hmm. during the, the middle of the day. A big fight happens and she has to flee in this van. John, he came with backup. He brought his good friend, John Trotter, oh. with him. So... They get into this big squirrel. Squirrel. <laughs> not, no one's they in a squirrel. They climbed into a squirrel. I can't take anymore. <laughs> the story is nuts. Squirrel. They get into they get into a big fight. Okay. okay. So they, they get into this big fight. And all of a sudden, they're like, okay, you know, Rena's like, all right, let's go. Like, Anna, uh, you know, Anna McFall, you, you coming? Anna's like, nope, I'm good. I'm going to stay back and be a nanny for the kids because Fred won't let her take the kids. Oh, wow. And they're fight like in a physical altercation. So John is just like, Rena, we need to get you and McNeil out of here. Like, let's go. So she leaves the kids and that's when they figure out Anna's the one that tipped Anna McFall is the one that tipped them off, tipped Fred off that this was going down. What is now apparent is that McFall was infatuated with fred that's so odd that she didn't want the others to leave actually you're raising a good point i don't know why she intervened you know other than to help him out i know other than you know he may have been really pissed like you knew this was she's in love with him so you knew this was happening and you didn't tell me yeah maybe just just let him go to please Mm -hmm. him yes like oh they're gonna do this it's very much like a stockholm syndrome situation which he does with multiple times I guess in my reasonable mind, I was like, well, if I, you know, was infatuated with someone, I I would want the other two out of the way, right? right? No, no, she's, Fred had promised to marry her, and I mean, she's, she's, you know, now involved with Fred. all about Fred. Yeah, and Rena is like real upset, you know, best friend, how could you do this to me? Absolutely. She's like, that 10 seconds is the best 10 seconds of my life. I'm, all I'm saying is that poor Anna McFall must not have had many experiences <laughs> before Fred West. You, it, there's no other explanation. You raise a good point, this my friend. Girl. To ensure her daughter's well-being, Rena did travel frequently back to England to visit Charmaine and, Anna, so Anna, she, and her daughter, Anna Marie. So she did leave, though. She, she did leave. She did leave, but she didn't leave her kid. Like, she still came back to visit her kids, and it was very awkward because Anna McFall would answer the door, okay? And Rena started to get very upset over the way the girls would act like Anna McFall was their mother mm-hmm. because she's doing the caregiving, you know, for them. Well, then she's also pregnant. So she going to have Fred's baby too. Yeah. The man gets a lot done in five seconds. I don't know. Very efficient. I guess. On October 11th, 
In an act of resentment, Rena stole some belongings from Fred's caravan and returned to Scotland. She was arrested the following month and was then taken back to Gloucester, uh, Gloucester, Gloucester to face trial. And on November 29th, she was sentenced to three years probation and Fred testified at the hearing. And at the testimony, he did admit that he and, and Anna McFall were living together, said that Anna intended to return to Scotland immediately. That's what was said at the trial. And I, this is important information. So that's yeah. why I'm telling Okay, you. noted. After the trial, Anna is, is living in this trailer park, the Timberland Caravan Park that um, with Fred. Mm-hmm. And she was writing to her family between... 1966 and 1967 and she was indicating that fred could offer her a better life than what she'd experienced in in scotland okay so i'm all i'm saying is her scotland life had to have been real bad like she's like this living in possibly a barn next to a cow and a goat yeah to think that this would be reasonable with fred fred west is the the better choice and is going to provide for her yeah, I, I agree with that. It is rumored that he did try to perform an abortion on her, but it oh, didn't work gosh. because he didn't want her having a baby. And this is something that he does to women multiple times. He, I, like I said, he was obsessed with reproduction, women's female reproductive organs. He tried to like set up himself a little shop for if, if there's a woman that's in trouble, you send her my way and I will, I will. All right. Just call me Dr. West. Wow. Yeah. Okay, wish version Richard Simmons. Right. Can barely speak correctly. Is nearly illiterate, but he's going (laughs) to perform abortions. Surgical procedures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. That's really disturbing. It is. Did people actually come and see him? Yes. There were were people who did it. It's It's a rough area. So in July 1967, Anna McFall is 18, and she's eight months pregnant, and all of a sudden, she vanishes. She was never reported missing, but I will tell you, just to keep things clean and clear, her dismembered remains were found (gasps) buried at the edge of a cornfield between Much Markle and Kempley in June 1994 when the fallout of, of Fred West happens. Oh, no. Her limbs had been carefully taken apart and many of her fingers were missing from her body likely to have been retained as keepsakes her unborn child may have also been cut from her womb oh my god her child was not in her womb it wasn't wasn't where it was supposed to be but it was in the same grave as her so the child was like taken out yes yep this is so disturbing um, Fred initially denies that he killed Anna McFall. Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Right, exactly. Okay, Fred. All right, Fred. <laughs> Freddie. But then confided to his adult son, Stephen, that he stabbed her to death following an argument. This explanation is inconsistent with the fact that her wrists were found with sections of dressing gown cord wrapped around them, suggesting that she had been restrained prior to her murder and with all the things that we know about him, she was more than likely sadistically sexually tortured prior to her murder. Oh my gosh. Does he ever talk about what, I mean, we all already know that he's very disturbed, you know, but does he ever talk about what led him to flip the switch and 
take it that far and, you know, murder her? Mm-mm. Okay. No, I'm just I was just curious. No, because he'd been he's with her pretty, for all that time. He's pretty unintelligible. The uh, investigators and psychologists firmly really believe that the fact of the matter is, is that she wanted to marry Fred. Fred did not want to marry her. Mm-hmm. She was pregnant with Fred's child. Fred didn't want he tried to abort that child. Yeah. He didn't want that child. So yeah. she just needed to go. Gotcha. OK, so this is the first known killing that Fred West does. Is of Anna McFall. And it's horrific. It is. Horrible. What a horrible thing. So the following month after this, Reno returns to live with Fred. And the couple relocated to the Lake House Caravan Park. Their relationship initially improved, but the following year, Reno left again, leaving the children in his care. Now, at this point in time, he doesn't have a woman in his life. So what's he going to do? I mean, a woman like that can nanny, you know, like Anna was like, oh, I'm going to stay. And yep, yep. And he just tells people she just, yeah, she up and left, went back to Scotland. Anna's family had had a fallen. I told you she was from a rough upbringing. Mm -hmm. She was never reported missing because her family had written her off a long time ago of, yeah, she she ran on Mm -hmm. with Fred and. Yes. Yep. And it is what it is. So she was never, never reported missing. Wow. And on the occasions that, so now Rena came back briefly, she leaves again, the kids are with him, he doesn't have anybody to watch him, so he just goes ahead and drops them off at social services. <gasps> yeah. So, so his kids are in care. I am done with this man. He does this on multiple occasions. And according to the books that I read, because obviously that was, that was, this is my wheelhouse, uh, you know, social services. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But. Back then, in this point in time, a worker was supposed to follow up, like, constantly. This is, like, a normal thing where the government, like, follows up on at-risk families and stuff like that. This never happens. So he's got the kids back. He just goes and gets the kids from foster care whenever he wants. Oh, my gosh. And they just give him back. But a worker is supposed to continue to follow up on the family. One would think so, yes. And they didn't. And this happens This happens to Fred and Rose's children later in life as well. Numerous times social services should have been involved and never were. And they never checked mm-hmm. on the kids. Wow. Right. So this is, like I said, his first known murder. It is very possible he has murdered before then. And he doesn't even know Rose West yet. So I, well, Rose yeah, I don't. So I'm just kind of pointing that out, which is something that her defense does later try to like highlight. We know he killed before he even met her. Mm-hmm. You know, I did want to throw this in here, too. When Fred had his ice cream, ice cream van, he was in Scotland at that time. So his family in um, England didn't really know like what he was doing. And so he was boasting to everybody that he was selling drugs, that he was in like you know, the Scottish mafia, like he knew big, big, bad, dark people. And he called them their, his Scottish connections. Mm. And later he would like threaten people with it. Like, you know, I still have my Scottish <laughs> connections. His Scottish connections are an ice cream van. Isn't that hysterical? You know, he is the reason that ice cream men have a bad rep. Right. And it's not and, fair. And to make matters worse, it was called a Mr. Whippy ice cream van. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm like, Mr. Whippy. Of course it is. Like, or is it Mr. Wimpy? Come on, <laughs> sir. Yeah. Mr. Wimpy, Mr. Wimpy is more accurate, oh, I would say. Mr. Whippy ice cream van. 
I, I also want to paint this picture as well. When I told you that they, that Rena came back and they moved into this like lake caravan park, whatever, they had a backyard that was allowed a, a garden of so many people were allowed gardens of so much square footage. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we had this large garden and the neighbors noticed that he only planted a few potatoes and some cabbage and did not utilize all of his garden that he had tilled up. And so they inquired about it. Like, why are you not planting all of, yeah. all of the fruits and vegetables? Yeah, you know, all of here. the things. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I'm saving that for something special. And nothing was ever planted there. There was also a little shed in the backyard where at night women could be seen going back to that little shed with him. And he would drive that Mr. Whippy van um, he was licensed to sell until 10 p.m., but he'd have it out till 2 or 3 a.m. Because he's picking, up, he's picking up women and giving in to his sexual demands. But In, uh, in his van. Yeah. Ew. But at this time, where that garden is and in that area, four women went missing. Oh, wow. And it is, and they all match the description of his tip, you know, his type. His type. Mm-hmm. The, the problem is they can't go back and excavate that area because it is literally now a highway has been paved over oh my that area. Gosh. But they, they really, really suspect that those four women were his So they victims. never found the women. Mm-hmm. No, no. Those four women are still missing, have never been found, but they're like, and they one of gotta them. Gotta be there. One of them was known to have a connection. Like, no, Fred. Fred knew her, which is something that he does later in life as well. So they're like, that's gotta be. She has yeah. to be a victim. She yeah. went missing. Like all these people are just go- banishing around him. No. I mean, I'm so, no expert, but I would like to think even back in those times, if I see an ice cream van at 2 a.m. and some man's like, why don't you climb in the back of Mr. Right. Whippy here right. and see what I got? I'm, I'm going to say no. No, I'm not getting a push pop. No. I know that. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe I am. Maybe that's all Toss one outside of the van, sir. <laughs> and be on your way (laughs) i don't know that's just it's just such a creepy scenario Mm -hmm. you know yeah definitely i agree women Mm -hmm. those are the facts about fred up until the point of where he meets rose okay Okay. so we know that he's killed anna mcfall rena at this point in time is still alive and those four girls are missing. So it is very possible that Anna was not his first victim. Mm-hmm. I really believe Anna wasn't his first victim no, at all. I don't think so either. But let uh. me now start. Let's give you some background on Rose. Hers isn't as long. She doesn't have as much. And then we'll get to their relationship. Rosemary. Rose was born Rosemary Pauline Letts. She was born November 29th, 1953. So she is 12 years younger than, than Fred. Fred. She was born to William, better known as Bill, and Daisy Letts. Yes, Fred and Rose have, their mothers have the same name. Because oh, Fred's mom's name it. is Daisy as well. Uh-huh. Rose was the fifth of seven children. And by the time she came around, her parents' marriage was in complete shambles. And although it did not come out until much later in life, Bill Letts was a diagnosed schizophrenic who had brought been in and out of treatment secretly, not even his wife knew, until he passed away and she looked at his medical records. Oh, my gosh. So he's, like, mostly untreated schizophrenic. Mm -hmm. Her mother, unfortunately, was severely, suffered from severe depression. So severe that when she was pregnant with Rose, she received electroconvulsive therapy, or Mm -hmm. electric shock treatment, Mm -hmm. 
for her severe depression six times. Wow. While, while Rose was gestating, which a lot of people are like, ding, 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 ding. You didn't cook something her right. Went, something went wrong. Right. So, and I, I mean, I guess we'll never know. Mm-hmm. I mean, truly. Now growing up, her father was a huge batterer to all of them, to the kids, to her mom. They all witnessed it all the time. He was the worst of the worst. Mm. But he also sexually abused every single one of his daughters. Why do people suck so much? I, I know. Her, all of her early sexual experiences are with her father. Oh, yeah. Daisy actually nicknamed her Dozy Rosie because she had a very low IQ as well, was was seen as having a, a, a low IQ. She's very manipulative later on in life, so mm-hmm. I, I don't want to, I don't want to emphasize. Underestimate. Exactly, exactly. But yeah, they called her Dozy Rosie because... The other thing is when she was a small child, she would often be seen rocking back and forth and in a daze while she did it. And so her parents actually believed her to be pretty cognitively impaired because she would just sit there. But we know now those are actually symptoms of sexual abuse, Mm -hmm. the zoning out, Mm -hmm. the zombieing out, the rocking. We see it. We'll see it later in life with um, one of Fred and Rose's daughters. Okay. As a teenager, she actually starts doing, mimicking that same behavior. Okay. But at that point in time, they didn't know They didn't recognize that. So there it is. Um, She's like, oh, it's her low IQ. Yes. It's fine. She was a little bit overweight. She was not seen as being very bright. She was often teased and teased. And when she was teased, she would respond by attacking her bullies aggressively. She displayed the same anger and and she was basically mimicking what she saw her dad do mm-hmm. you know if her mom and dad are fighting her dad would beat the shit up beat the shit out of her mom so if somebody's teasing her and pissing her off she gonna do the same thing yeah, yeah. and that's what she did when she was a teenager she became more sexually active and was actually caught getting into bed with one of her younger brothers and sexually fonding fondling him just carrying on again that what incest. she was raised mm-hmm. with yep she believed that her figure and her father's rules prevented her from dating boys her own age. So basically because she was a little bit overweight and um, her dad was so strict, she pursued relationships with older men where she lived. She says in her little memoirs that she wrote that at an early age, like between 12 and 14, there were two men who took advantage of her on two separate occasions and raped her. But realistically too, she was also like prostituting herself out. Okay. She was she was working the system a bit to her own advantage mm-hmm. as well. And us I think an act of rebellion from the household that she was at this point in time, you know, she's between 13 and 15 and mm-hmm. just really acting out. When she was 15, her mother had finally had enough of her father's abuse and Daisy takes Rosemary and moves in with one of her adult daughters. Rosemary starts spending even more time with male companions. And at this point in time, she's like, okay, I can't handle you because you're literally prostituting yourself out to older men. She surprisingly willingly moves back in with her dad. So she's living. Wow. Yeah. That's very surprising. It is. But But, with the sexual abuse piece, it's it's so It it really, it complicates things a lot for people. For people. It does. And Bill Letts had the opinion that he was entitled to his daughter even when she was an adult and and they continued a complicated sexual relationship. Yeah, because it was a father's right. Mm-hmm. To, I was going to take a sip of water and then I kind of threw up in mm-hmm. my mouth. 
I understand. But again, those boundaries, they do. And I've seen this a lot with people. They, w- when you're a victim of sexual abuse, those boundaries get complicated they with do. that parent. Yes, they're so happens. blurred. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I'm not faulting no, for that. Because it just, it, it is. It's, it's the unfortunate truth of But the mindset that. of the father. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Yep. She's my daughter. I can, I, I I'm can entitled. Mm-hmm. To say the least, Rose's early years were full of every type of abuse that a child can endure. Neighbors told stories of watching Mr. Letts drag Mrs. Letts down the stairs of their lower level flat by the hair. He was often seen, seen hitting, punching, pushing, and verbally abusing any one of the members of his family. And there is an entire book dedicated to her life story that was written when she was in, when she's in prison in her own words. She's also a liar and manipulator too. So, so I didn't read that because. Gotcha. Mm, so you're not sure where the truth lies with her. Right. Story I do either. believe it is very substantiated by her siblings and neighbors that their father was extremely abusive and he was very much sexually abusing them. Yes. All of the kids. Yep. So I just didn't want, I really didn't want to read that book because it's her blaming her entire childhood for what she does later in life. And I'm not interested in reading those excuses because there are millions of sexual abuse survivors that don't go on to do it to their own children Mm -hmm. and murder people. Right. Right. Just after her 15th birthday, Rose Letts meets Fred West. Rose was shy and she was flattered by the attention of a male that's 12 years her senior. She began going to his caravan and caring for Charmaine and Anna Marie right away oh wow she was spending all her time there her parents both of her parents even though they're split at this point in time are not happy and they agreed that rose was a delinquent so they put rose in like a delinquent home like two social services in a delinquent home to stop her from hanging out with fred west okay wow and so at this point in time Fred puts his girls back in social services care because he doesn't have a a woman to care for. So if there's no woman around, he just can't care for the kids. Correct. Yep. So he just drops them off into foster care. I love that this is just like a casual option for him, like a daycare. Like, well, I can't, I'm done with the kids for now. Yeah. Yep. Till I found another Be back when I get a a woman. Mm -hmm. Now, once she turned 16, though, there's no keeping her in that delinquent home. And so they were counting down the days to November 29th when her birthday is she was going and back she's gonna yep go back so and Fre- fred must, must have some kind of magical juice or something I, because these went some of these women like they return to him the thing is is that that is said a lot is that he could be very nice and charming and later his kids actually say that um he didn't really uh, physically abuse the kids he was not an angry violent father mm-hmm. to the kids he sexually abused them but he was not physically so they, violent with them so they had some so like they, goodish moments they said in they used to talk as kids in the event of a divorce they would choose to live with their dad even with the sexual abuse wow because it was rose that was the violent one wow mm-hmm. So there were good, he was always like joking, like so many people described him that didn't know what had happened in that house, Mm -hmm. described him as like, he was such a kind, soft spoken, joking guy, just always smiling, always having something funny to say. And that's how he was with the kids too. When he wasn't being crude, like he was way too open about sex and all that stuff, but he- Otherwise- Super funny guy. Yeah, just, you know, <laughs> it's, it's real so, nice guy. It's it's so hard because you hear all the, like, the horrible things that he did and you forget that there's... A whole other others, human. Yeah. Which I wouldn't have got had I not read May's book. 
mm-hmm. I wouldn't have understood that. It's easy to paint him as a monster and not see him as a human. And you totally forget that there must be, he's interacting with people on a daily basis that did not know for 20 some years that he was doing this. Wow. So yeah, he had to have had some endearing qualities somewhere. Mm-hmm. Cause now twice, two or three times we've heard of somebody like actually returning to him. Yeah, yeah, Rena. It was complicated with Rena. Yeah, 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 would return to him, but she'd go back. Right, right. So. And and uh, Rose never wanted to leave him. It was her parents that still had legal control over her, so they put her in that home, the delinquent home. When she, she turned sixteen, yeah, when she turned sixteen, she's like, "Bam, I'm I'm out. I'm going to his house," but she couldn't because at that time he got put into jail for thirty days for another one of his petty thieving. Mm. So she moved back in with her dad and they were writing intense love letters. And you can read the letters. They're they're super intense about counting down to the days and they're ending them with sentences like, Love your worshiping husband and love your worshiping wife. At this time he's still married to Rena. Mm-hmm. I mean they're not together, but he he is still married to Rena. So there's just a lot of like in intensity. It's just very intense. A lot of fantasy of you're you're now my wife and we're going to live happily ever after. Now, upon Fred's release, Rose's parents, um, Rose left her parents home to move into the Chattelman flat that Fred had lived in now. Uh, shortly thereafter, Fred collected Charmaine and Anna Marie from social services. Wouldn't you know mm-hmm. it? Bill Letts made one final effort to prevent his daughter from seeing Fred and had Rose examined by a police surgeon in February 1970. And the police surgeon confirms Rose is pregnant. Oh. Yep. Oh, boy. Yes. So, in response, Rose was again placed into care, but was discharged on March 6th with the understanding that she would terminate her pregnancy and return to her family. But instead, she opted to live with Fred, resulting in her father forbidding his daughter from ever setting foot in his household again. They do reconcile later on, though, because oh. I told you. they mm-hmm. There's some questions about a lifelong sexual wow. relationship with okay. him. But at this point in time, she's 16, pregnant with Fred's babies. baby. Three months later, they leave the Chattel, the Chattelham flat, and they relocate to a ground floor flat of a two-story house at 25 Mid- Midland Road in Gloucester, which is interesting because the house that they end up moving to next is 25 Cromwell Street. So it's just like um, some people that are like really into numbers are like, oh, two plus five is seven and seven is some Satan number thing. Like some symbolism. Yeah, they were like looking into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway. But that's the infamous address, right? That is. Okay. Well, not 25 Midland Road. The Cromwell. The Cromwell is the infamous address. Yep. So right now they're at 25 Midland. And on October 17th, 1970, Rose gave birth to their first child, a daughter that they named Heather Ann. Speculation remains that Heather may have been sired by Rose's own father, given the timing and that he had her. Oh, my goodness. This is deep. That he had her examined by the police, you know, a a police surgeon. Mm -hmm. Wow. So we don't know. But every, you know, There's, she maintains that it was Fred's baby. But I would too, but right. I mean, mm-hmm. wow, that's heavy. Then two months later, Fred was imprisoned for the theft of car tires and for like vehicle tax evasion. Mm. And so he remained in prison, in prison until June 24th, 1971. He had to serve six and a half months. And so Rose, having just turned 17, was looking after 
um, three girls. Yeah, she's got Heather, she's got Charmaine, and Anne Marie. And, you know, it's not like she had a great example of how to be a mom. Now, according to Anna Marie West, which is Fred's first child with Rena, she and Charmaine were frequently subjected to criticisms, beatings, and other forms of punishment throughout the time that they lived under Rose's care on Midland Road when her father was in prison. And although Anna Marie was generally submissive and prone to display emotion in response to the physical and mental hardships, Charmaine was completely rebellious. She was a fighter. She would fight back no matter how severely she was physically abused. She would fight back. A neighbor gave a report of walking in one day and seeing Charmaine gagged with her arms tied behind her back, standing on a uh, chair and Rose just beating the hell out of her with like a wooden spoon thing. Oh my god! And Rose acted like this was totally fine for the neighbor to see. Wow. This is no big deal. What? I'm just disciplining. Exactly. (gasps) Discipline. Yep. Discipline. Anna Marie remembered talking with Charmaine and Charmaine constantly thinking that her mom, Rena, would come and save her. Like, it's fine. I can put up with Rose because my mom's going to come and save me. She would instigate, you know, she would really get under Rose's skin because she'd say things like, my real mommy wouldn't swear or shout at us. My real mommy this. My real mommy that. And all it did was fuel Rose's anger more. It's like that was like their glimmer of hope that mom would come back. Yes. Yes, exactly. So hospital records later show that Charmaine had received treatment for severe puncture wound to her left ankle in the casualty unit of the Gloucester Royal Hospital on March 28th, 1971. And this incident was explained by Rose as to have been a result from just a household accident. It was just an accident. It was never followed up with by social services. Wow. Now, Rose is believed to have killed Charmaine shortly before Fred's release. Oh my gosh. She killed Charmaine? She killed Charmaine. She maintains that she did not kill Charmaine. That Fred did it when he got released from prison. Okay. But we do know that she took Charmaine, Anna Marie, and Heather to visit Fred on June 15th. And it is believed that on or very shortly after this date, Charmaine was murdered. Now, the reason we believe that is because there was forensic dental confirmation mm-hmm. that gave this this short of a time frame. And the the neighbor uh, did some testimony. You know, I remember the neighbor that I yeah, said, that walked, walked in. in. Her name was Shirley Giles. And she helped the police narrow down the time frame of like, no, Rose came when Fred was still in prison. Rose came and said, Charmaine's gone. Her mom, Rena, came and picked her up and took her back to Scotland. Okay, so she her testimony is really, besides the, the dental records that they find when they find Charmaine's remains later, because mm-hmm. they do find Charmaine under the kitchen of 25 Midland Road. Oh, my goodness. You know, the dental, like your teeth grow at a certain rate. And Mm -hmm. so that that coupled with Shirley Giles saying, no, no, Fred was not released yet when she was spinning the story Mm -hmm. that Rena showed up and took her back home. Also, there is a letter in the defense or the prosecution uses this against Rose later on. But there's a letter that she writes Fred and between all the ooey gooey lines is, darling, regarding Charmaine, I think she likes to be handled rough. Oh, my God. So the prosecution used this to say that she 
enjoys physical, Mm -hmm. you know, being physical. I have to handle her rough because she's constantly talking back all this stuff. They believe that, and Fred later says that this is what happens, but then he recants as they so often do, but they believe that she killed her either accidentally going too far with the physical Mm -hmm. punishments or on purpose hid her body in the basement and then Fred was released just a couple of weeks later and um, finished and, and buried her. Now he swears that he did not dismember Charmaine's body but her remains were found with like the hip joints and everything dismembered but there is a possibility that when he was doing construction on the home that it got um, that it disrupted the remains. Oh, so we don't actually so really no. know, but he he doesn't recall dismembering Charmaine, and he, and he then initially admitted to killing Charmaine, and saying Rose had nothing to do with it. Rose didn't know anything about it, but then later is like, no, it's, this is the only one that he actually does uh, indicate Rose had a part of was Charmaine, and said no, she kept her, she killed her when I was in prison, and kept her in the basement, and mm. so um, so that's why they think okay. There's a possibility that that's probably the more likely answer, given the orthodont or the dental records and the testimony from Shirley. That's like Mm-mm, he wasn't home yet, and she was saying Rena showed up. Yeah, yeah, yep. So, oh, how sad. I know, I know. And so that's the story that the family told that Rena showed up and took Charmaine. Now here's the problem: Rena really does come to show up to take Charmaine. She wants to know where her daughter is. They always have excuses. They're given the runaround. Eventually, Rena goes to Walter and Daisy West's house, stirring up, like, where is my daughter? Now, mm-hmm. remember, they've already told the family that Rena came and took the kid. So yeah. that's like the last straw of, okay, now you're nosing around and you're talking to my family. At that point in time, when she, the day when she goes and talks to Fred's dad, and mm-hmm. Fred's dad's like, I'm staying out of it. I don't know what you're talking about. That was the last time that anyone saw Rena alive. She is believed to have been murdered by strangulation, possibly in the backseat of Fred's Ford uh, vehicle, and likely while intoxicated. So Rena was poking around too much, so they had to get rid of her too. Yep. When her body was discovered, um, there was a short length of metal tubing that was found with her remains, leaving an equal possibility that she had been restrained and subjected to a sexual assault prior to her murder. Because we're going to see this later, but he... Him and Rose enjoyed um, masking victims, not only victims, but just when they would hire sex workers and bring people into their sexual fantasies, they would have them wear a mask or they would create one with tape. And the only way you can breathe is by putting a tube in the person's mouth and they have to breathe through the tube. It's it's a particular sexual oh. kink that I don't care to get into because I don't know. I, I'm not intelligent I'm not educated enough. About, I'm just going to cut. I'm going to edit that. It's just going to say, I'm not intelligent. I'm leaving <laughs> it right there. Uh, for a brief second, yep. you're just like, I'm not I'm intelligent. Not intelligent. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> but I, I'm not educated enough about that to speak intelligently about it. And I don't mm. want to cast stones on people who do this sort of thing safely. They're, they're, yeah, their sexual their, kinks are their own. Exactly. Business. And we're not here to judge that. But apparently that is something that he... He did a lot, and obviously this is not with consent, so it is not okay. There's no consent in these situations. Nope. And Rena's body was extensively dismembered, placed into plastic bags, and buried close 
to a cluster of trees known as yew trees in the what's known as the letterbox field because it's a field that had a mailbox, just this random mailbox mm-hmm. um, next to it. And it was about uh, a mile from Much Markle. A boomerang thought to likely belong to Charmaine, Charmaine was also found with her body. On January 29th, 1972, Fred and Rosemary marry. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yep. The thing is, though, on it, Fred incorrectly described himself as a bachelor. Um, He was still married to Rena. Yeah, he was not exactly single. He wasn't, but now he's killed her. So I guess he's so a he's widower. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's single now. Right. And So did he ever fully divorce Rena? No. Or just, he just decided to marry Yeah, just Rosemary decided too. to marry Rosemary. Okay. Yeah, and just was like, it was legal because he didn't identify that he'd had any previous marriages. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, that's fine. Yep. Several months later, Rose is pregnant with their second child. The couple moved from Midland Road to 25 Crumwall Street. Shudder. Yes. <laughs> now, did she mistreat her own children as well? Rose? Yeah. Oh, or was it? God, yeah. Okay. I didn't know if it was like the ones that were not hers, if they were oh, treated no. worse and she like maybe favored her No, she her didn't own. like Charmaine. Charmaine was mouthy. Charmaine mm-hmm. was uh, a mixed race. Charmaine was everything that was just too difficult for her to gotcha. handle. So they move into this three-story home. And really what it is is they, they moved into it. They were initially renting it. But then Fred is like, hey, how about we buy this so that we could rent some of the big rooms out upstairs? But not only does he do that, but he also makes a bit like a nice room for Rose to do all her sex work in. She gets her own private oh, nice. room. Mm-hmm. Yep. He's, he's a provider. It's amazing how there's multiple murders already and they're just like starting a new you know (laughs) life yep and they want to have a lot of kids so they need this big house but they also use some of the rooms for lodging so they rent out the rooms so they have what's what they call lodgers coming in and out of this house as well okay so we've got rose doing her prostitution we've got the lodgers and then we've got their area of the house where they have their family home and where their kids live i'm telling you it doesn't remind you of joseph fritzel it, do, it, it really does. He's yes. like a builder and yeah. doing all these things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because one thing that people always say about Fred is he was always working. He was a hard, hard working dude. But it's just like he had an overactive sexual appetite and apparently addicted to, to laboring. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it's interesting is, how that works. Uh, also ironic that he was such a hard worker, but he could not maintain more than one minute in the sack. I don't know. It's weird. We can't be perfect. Quite a dichotomy here. We can't be perfect. We can't. So, but that helped supplement their household income, um, or both her sex work and the having the lodgers come in. So shortly after giving birth to her second child, Rose started her work. um, Now that they've got the the right place for Uh it as, as a sex worker. Now, was that his um, request also that she... When you talk to Rose, she says she's forced into it. But Rose was doing this on her before. own before Fred. Yeah, so I yeah. believe that it was really just a big uh, idea for them together. And knowing that uh, they're into orgies, he enjoys watching her. There was a hole in the wall of her special room so that Fred could sit and watch. There was also a baby monitor installed so that Fred could sit and listen. Oh, lovely. Fred would sit and listen with his children in the room with the volume all the way up. So the children would hear too. Oh my gosh. This was a normal thing that they grew up with. I think I need a shower. They also made several videos 
which Fred would sit down and make his children watch with them of their mother engaging in the sex work with other men oh and gosh. with himself. Just whatever Gather you know, fit his kids. fancy for the day. Yep. Family time. You know, some oh. people do game nights. Others do porn nights. Not the not the West. Not the West. Yep. Oh, that's so, so, so disturbing. Mae West recalled in her book that her father was infatuated with Rose having sex with black men because of the size of their penis. And Fred encouraged Rose to seek clients from their West Indian community through his advertisements, through their, their advertisements. They put advertisements out in these um, contact magazines mm-hmm. for this work. Now, in addition to her prostitution, though, Rose did engage in casual sex with both male and female lodgers within their household. Rose was busy. She really was. Um, that that were rented out at Cromwell Street. Sometimes Fred would just bring some homies home from his work. Like, hey, you want to... I got an hey. idea for you. It's just some casual lunchtime conversation. You Meet wanna, my wife. You want to come home and sleep with my wife? She's totally cool with that. Do you mind if I creepily watch from a hole... <laughs> In the wall that you don't know about, I've got I've got this hole, so I'll just yeah. I'll, don't I'll be mind back. the blinking that you see behind the hole. That's just me. But you go ahead and have your way with my wife. It's fine. I'll take you back to work when I'm done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh my now, lord! Now another thing is that he like the louder Rose could be, the better. That's what he would demand. That was from the goal. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Yep. That's what really. That's what he... Jingled his jollies. Yep. Um, (laughs) Those jollies were a jingle. They were. They were. Rose would gradually increase the level of of brutality to which she subjected her partner to with acts that were um, like partially suffocating her partner, inserting increasingly large dildos into her partner's body. If the woman resisted or expressed any pain or fear... She would just say, aren't you woman enough to take it? She's purposely inflicting pain. There's just this like... Uh, but that, she's trying to mentally manipulate them into this is normal. Like I can't believe that you don't like this. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And there's that creepy component, just knowing he's like watching mm-hmm. through a peephole. Right. Now, to many of these women, it became apparent that Rose and her husband, who regularly participated in threesomes and whatnot, um, took particular pleasure from seeking to take women beyond their sexual limits. So, like I had said earlier bondage, um, any particular form of pleasure where uh, with sex involving a strong measure of dominance, pain, and violence. You know, whips, near suffocation. Mm-hmm. They had the fetishes, so they have um, lots of pornographic materials laying around all the time um, that included bestiality and graphic child sexual abuse. Oh, so they're just creeps. It's so bad. It is yeah, everything. It's like everything. This case has every horrible they, nightmare. Yeah, they literally have all of the things. Yes. This is what's so weird. Essentially, like Fred doesn't really, as a husband, is like he works really hard and he hands over his paycheck to Rose. He only wanted enough money for his tobacco. Like he liked to chew. He didn't drink. None of They weren't into drugs or drinking. He didn't stay out late like... It's just so bizarre. Like, like Rose was, and, and a bunch of people testified about this too, when she tried to play the, I'm a victim here, and he made me do all this. People like, were no, like, no, 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 she was the dominant one. She controlled mm. that relationship. And she enjoyed every part of her sex work, of her affairs that she was having with lodgers, of the the finances, everything that went down. And as a matter of fact, um, May said in her book that 
quite often when her mom was getting carried away with a physical attack on one of the children, um, it would be Fred who would step in and say, don't you think that's about enough now? Oh, Rose? wow. And he did not physically abuse the kids like Rose did. So he so, had like almost reasonable parts to him if he wasn't a sexual. Correct. Deviant. Deviant. Mm-hmm. Oh. It sounds like it. It's hard to th- swallow, but it sounds like it. Oh, and dismembering bodies. Yeah, don't forget about the murder in May. My bad. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Otherwise, could have been a good guy. Yep. Now, growing up, her her room, her special bedroom that she had, it was known as Rosie's room. And this would, like, eventually as the kids get older, they put two and two together and they know what's going on. But he installed a special doorbell. So where if a certain doorbell rang, she would, Rose would drop everything that she was going, that she was doing to go entertain her client. Oh. Dinner could be on the stove and she's dropping everything to go entertain her, oh, wow. her client. That special little doorbell. By 1977, Rose's father had become tolerant of his of the marriage to Fred. And him and Fred really started like respecting one another grudgingly. And they even opened a cafe together named The Green Lantern lantern which did end up going bankrupt when bill letts discovered rose's prostitution he would also visit to have sex with her i i have none of the he words would ring the doorbell yes and Daddy's the, screen, the screen lantern there's now a lot of like speculation about what him and bill letts really used it for yeah. uh mm-hmm. for just for the sake of like there's so much here i'm gonna skip ahead a little bit we're gonna go to 1983 now rose has given birth to eight children eight holy cow three of them were conceived by her clients because they are very clearly of mixed race race okay so we have a a diverse family going on we do we do and it was just something that was not talked about and of course as siblings they're like yeah this is my sister this is my brother Mm -hmm. yep it was obvious from the way that may's book was written some of these kids are not comfortable with their name like being out there. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you the the name of the the four, you know, we have Anna, Anne-Marie, we have Heather, we have May, who I've told you about, and then there's Stephen with the PH. Those are the older four kids. Mm-hmm. And then the other category is just the younger kids, which we will get into. There's Luis and Tara, but then the, the two youngest that were just really, really toddler, like babies, babies when their parents get busted, mm-hmm. they got like essentially the government was able to just take them, protect them and give them whole new identities. Okay. So that so they didn't very have much to live with this on their, for that's the, yeah. good. Yes. For them. For sure. But, wow. Um, Fred willingly accepted all the children as his own and falsely informed that the reason for their skin color being darker was that they're uh, of their siblings was because his great grandmother was a black woman. So why not that recessive black I mean, gene? Yep. It gets, it'll get you. Yeah. <laughs> So there it is. Oh, wow. So at this point, like, I'm sure you're like, how can she have eight kids, be a sex worker, and what is going on in this house? Well, I'm going to give you some insight and leave you for this episode, because as you can now tell, we're almost at two hours. I'm going to, we're going to take a break. This is a two-parter. The older four kids did know, like, that their household is not normal, and that their mom is a sex worker. Their dad openly talks about their sex life, about Mm -hmm. their, you know, everything. He was often saying to Heather and to May that someday he was going to, it was a father's right to break them in and that 
as soon as they hit puberty, he was going to do that. Oh my God. Because a father has to show a daughter what a real man is like so they know how to please their husband someday. So they too can pl- be pleasuring their husband and having all the babies. Oh my goodness. But this is the most grotesque thing I think that I've ever read in my life. So trigger warning, cause this is just so gross, but it, it's going to just, I'm going to leave you with how bad of a distorted man he is. Now, Rose was well known to only wear skirts. She dressed, she actually dressed like a schoolgirl a lot, like a child, oh, very really? childlike. Okay. Mm-hmm. And she didn't wear underwear. So he would often walk up to Rose, insert his fingers into her like it was normal and then make the children smell no, it. No, stop it. And say, quote, this is what your mother smells like, stop kids. Stop it. I, pardon me while I go into the corner in fetal position. As if this was <gasps> normal and happened in every household. Sorry. I'm send- if I have I'm to know sending- it, you guys have to know it. I'm sending air hugs to everyone <laughs> yes, in ex- this moment exactly. that we're experiencing together. So sorry, together. I just did all that to you. I know. When I was virtual hugs, because I need one. When I was typing that, I was like, "Oh, I can feel Amber's face right now." Oh, yep. Pardon me while I scrub the filth off of me. So that is the type of, uh, you know, he was not physically abusive. Rose was to these children, but the but he's doing shit like that. And as a matter of fact, Rose would frequently masturbate in front of the girls. Oh, these poor children! They were subjected to so many horrific things just may may like may talked about how she even when they got a little bit older made them insert their fingers into her to so that they would know what a proper development is like this is what you got to watch out for as you're developing girls all right where's dexter somebody get dexter we need dexter (laughs) i cannot take these two people right now And sadly, Fred and Rose began sexually abusing Anna Marie when she was eight years old. He would go on to abuse Heather, attempt to abuse May, and eventually rape Louise as well. The other girls were said to be saved from sexual abuse because Fred was racist and the other girls were of blended race. So we're going to pick up with part two about Anna Marie's, Marie's story. Or no, we're not going we're to g- a part two. <laughs> there is no part two. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's just, you wow, these people, anymore. they're just horrible. Yep. They're horrible. Yep. So stay tuned. We're going to pick up there. That's where you've got, you've got a good, I think, understanding of where we're at. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, there's a whole, whole lot more. We're only on page 14 of a 33 page script. So my get goodness. ready for part two. Yeah. My goodness. So everyone, come back to us on Thursday. If you're a Patreon, you're going to get it right away. Mm -hmm. So there's that. You can always go to uh, crimecuriouspatreon.com and sign up if you want to get get it right away as well. It'll be there. So, okay. Keep it curious. Go cleanse yourself. We're going to do a brain bath after this whole story I need a sugar scrub. Yes. A stiff drink. And a lavender candle, please. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Have a good week, guys. Hang tight. Yeah. And and I'm sorry. And say your prayers tonight. Please please do. All right. Bye-bye.